Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Pilot Program. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright and locked position. Enjoy your flight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. Let's Good afternoon, passengers. This is your Captain Chase Kenneke speaking. The date is, oh God, what's the date? Uh, November 15th, 2022. And, uh, you know, let's let's check the current weather here. That's an important thing we have to do here. It's uh, it's 38 degrees and cloudy. Not great. I snowed I, last night. I think we could strike the, the weather update in future episodes. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that's that's going to, to be a, a important bedrock moment for, for pilot program. People need to know how it felt when we recorded these things, even though the weather for you many states away uh, will not always line up with the weather for me. I was on a flight uh, two days ago and I looked over uh, through the seats and watched a person text how much they hated their seatmates the entire time. (laughs) And it was a a wonderful way to uh, Uh, pass the time. They also held their phone in such a way where they really wanted their seatmates to see that they hated them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they wanted them to read it on the screen. So I think uh, I was not doing anything wrong. Oh, of course not. You, so you per- could never do anything wrong. So perhaps we could give some sort of drama update instead of the weather uh, <laughs> during this flight update. OK. All right. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about how you brought a screaming kid on the flight or whatever. We'll, we'll figure <laughs> out. We'll figure out something to do with that. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I'm your captain, Chase Kennedy. Here is my co-pilot, Pierce Corshane. Hello, Pierce. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Good. I, I'm glad. We're, I'm glad we're doing this episode because we have thoughts about this episode. Uh, we we have thoughts. This was a uh, you know we're only on episode two, but this was a highly requested episode. Yeah. Uh, in that my friends just want me to watch the boys, which is going to be our in-flight program today, and uh, and so I finally said, hey, I made a whole podcast specifically to allow me to watch episode one of the boys and contractually no other episodes of the boys <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so do it. uh unlike seinfeld our, our previous episode our first episode a show that we uh had both seen and both love uh the boys is something neither of us had seen before and we thought that would be an interesting uh difference from from our first episode Correct. And I, I think they're also the boys is probably starting off uh, a little behind the eight ball because we notoriously do not like superhero properties. That's um, true. That's so true. Keep that in mind as you listen. A little to bit this. tired, a little bit tired. Um, so before we get into the boys, Pierce, let me ask you, uh, we didn't do this segment the last time because it was our first episode. But on future episodes, I think we should talk about the show we did before and whether we continued watching any more of it. So Pierce, did you end up watching any more Seinfeld after episode one of the pilot program? I did not. Did you? Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched and continued to watch many episodes of Seinfeld. Uh, I rewatched season, uh, eight and nine, uh, cause that has the frog. Oh, the frogger's in season nine, but yep. I, I was just like, ah, I just kind of want to watch more Seinfeld. And then, 
uh, I've been I've been just falling into the rabbit hole where uh, it's it's on a big block of Comedy Central like every other day. Yes. Yeah, I haven't done like the 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 basic cable thing in a while, and I was watching my daughter yesterday, and I needed something that I could have in the background that I was familiar with that I could enjoy watching, and that ended up being The Office, not Seinfeld. They basically only run The Office and Seinfeld on Comedy Central these days. Yeah, I think the way Comedy Central works right now, it it switches between Seinfeld and South Park. And then at four o'clock, they're like, "Okay, we're done with that shit. It's the office, baby. And the office is always always starts at four o'clock. But yes, it it means that I usually just spend my lunch break watching two episodes of Seinfeld, which is not a bad way to spend a lunch. And then I I usually just end up watching more while I act like I'm working. Sure. Of course, it is 2022 and you work remote. Uh, Yes. Yes. Your crimes Uh, are are not that great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the boys. And to do that, Pierce, I'm going to ask you to give us a 30,000 foot view of the boys. Uh, just the plot, or you want me to give you the all the details as well? Should I do the intro before we do the plot? I guess I guess that's probably prudent, right? Yeah, go for it. Okay, let's let's give you a little quick intro to the boys here. Uh, The boys first aired July 26, 2019 on Amazon Prime Video, our first streaming show. Mm. Hey, yeah, first first of many, I'm sure. Um, The showrunner is Eric Kripke, who uh, also was the creator of Supernatural, a show I have not seen, but I know is quite popular with a very specific fan base. It is. Uh, Just a spoiler alert. I kind of like Supernatural. Okay. All right. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe a maybe a future episode of pilot program is brewing right here and now. Uh, the boys stars Carl Urban as Billy Butcher. Yeah, Carl Urban, you might remember as uh, I believe it is Yomer uh, in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I I'm not up on my Elvish or Hobbish or whatever the fuck languages uh, of Tolkien. Uh, he was also Leonard Bones McCoy in the Star Trek film, uh, the 2009 Star Trek film. He was Judge Dredd in Dredd 2012, which I think that's a good movie. I think that's a, an underrated movie. It's also, fun fact, the first and only movie I've seen in D-Box. Pierce, have you ever seen a D-Box movie? No, what's D-Box? D-Box is where they had the seats that moved. Oh, and okay, shook. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, we there was a there was a D-Box theater weirdly in in our town of Columbia when we were when we were at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's it's like the only D-Box theater within like 200 miles. It is insane that it's even there. Uh, but I saw uh, Dread in that, and that movie starts with like this drone flying over the city, and as the drone uh, like uh, what, what do you call it? Like banks left and right. Yeah. Your seat also subtly banks left and right. You're like, holy shit, this is kind of awesome. That's cool. And then there's a there's a big scene where basically they're just trying to rip off um, 300 where Dread kicks kicks the, the bad lady off of the this uh this oh building, yeah like, like the down, well down the slide of stairs sure. yeah and like your your seat pushes like immediately has like a quick jolt back and then the rest of that scene is in super slow-mo as she falls to her ultimate demise and your seat just continues to like slowly back up and it is 
it was a hell of an experience. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I can't watch Dread again because no. I'm worried it will, I will just won't have the same experience. It won't be. It'll probably be a terrible movie if I watch it that way. But I loved it in D-Box. Never saw another D-Box movie, though. That, those tickets were so expensive. It was like 20 bucks to see a movie uh, when That's it was not normally that much more seven. Than a, a well, regular. I mean, it was normally like seven back then. So that was a, 2012 that was a big in deal the time. rural Midwest. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, let's see what else. Uh, and he was also, uh, of course, everybody remembers John Reaper Grimm in 2005's Doom alongside Dwayne The Rock the Johnson. Rock Johnson. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, very important. Doom. That's a bad movie. <laughs> that's that's such a bad movie. Um, it, this also stars Jack Quaid as Huey. Jack Quaid uh, is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, for that matter. Um, he is also Clark Morell in Vinyl. I have not seen Vinyl. Vinyl seems like a show you would have seen. Uh, it seemed it. I have not seen it. It it does seem like my kind of like catnip show. Uh, yeah. I, it's not about like the production of Vinyl. That's just the title, and it's about the music industry in the seventies or something. Yes, I believe okay. that is the case. I had some friends who watched it and kind of liked it, but uh, I don't think many audiences did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that show did not last very long. And also another Star Trek uh, alum here. He is Bradward Boimler uh, in Star Trek Lower Decks. I think that's a I think that's an animated show. That sounds like an animated, animated show. show. Yeah. Um, this also stars Anthony Starr as Homelander, who has starred in a number of New Zealand and Australian productions, none of which I recognized. So we're going to skip right over those. And lastly, Erin Moriarty as Annie or Starlight. Uh, she was Audrey Hart in True Detective season one. She would have been uh, Woody Harrelson's daughter in that in that first season. I don't really remember her in that. So I'm going yeah, to I had to look up a photo and and I don't think she looks different. It's just she looks much younger, obviously. Um, she was also Hope Schlotman in season one of Jessica Jones. Um, you know, another superhero thing. I another seen. superhero thing we probably won't watch. Yep, exactly. Anyway, Pierce, that's the boys. Uh, why don't you uh, give us that 30,000 foot view of the uh, of the first episode? What do you sure? got? Yeah. The boys follows a corrupt superhero corporation known as Vought International. We see the suits of the company cover up wrongful deaths inflicted by the supers or soups and the supers own human resource or and the supers own human resources disaster. I wrote this down. Um, yeah, I hate this. <laughs> uh, they are. Basically pieces of shit. Uh, there's like quid pro quo. There's sexual harassment. There's assaults. They're greedy and um, just generally just bad people. Uh, surprise, surprise. Meanwhile, a man named Huey, whose girlfriend was collateral damage during a soup's mission, attempts to expose the wrongdoings of the company uh, with the help of a shadowy figure named the Butcher, who uh, you have introduced. Is that good? Pierce, I'm, I'm very disappointed because this this segment was meant to torture you. Uh, for not actually uh, remembering things and sure. to just force you to come up with things off the top of your head. If you actually do the research and write down something like this, it, it cuts, it kills the bit. I hate it. That's, I don't think the bit's going to die because <laughs> neither you nor I have read much comics uh, before. Sure, sure. And we, we, need a, we need a synopsis for, for the listeners at home. They need to know what we're talking about here if they have not seen The Boys or, you know, The Boys has four seasons at this point. So uh, if you if you're somebody who's watched all four seasons of The Boys, i.e. not us, yeah. uh, you might it might help you to get a little refresher of 
how what much we're we actually know. talking about. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I'm glad we do the synopsis. Uh, I wish you were bad at it, though. I, I wish you were worse, worse at it. it. Yeah. We'll just wait until the next episode we do, because I will try to explain that to you, and it'll be very funny. Little, uh, little teaser it's, for the end of this episode. Yeah, it's it's going to be fantastic. Um, all right, it's time to talk about our thoughts on the boys. Pierce, what a I, I guess just what are your are your initial first impressions as you were watching the boys? What what's going through your mind? Yeah. the I think we should. I think the first scene is actually very important. It it opens on these two actual boys <laughs> um, mm-hmm. walking across the, the boys. The boys. Yeah, this is who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of. Uh, it, it has an intro that's very much like the Marvel um, MCU intro, where it's like the comic book pages like fluttering really quickly of all the characters, and then it kind of zooms out into I assume the production company. I can't actually remember, but I just remember seeing that and being like, I know what that's referenced to. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about some superhero can beat up some other superhero uh, in universe in the boys. And then um, a crime is happening. Someone's running away from a bank and they're driving an armored truck and the the superheroes come down and they presumably save the day. Um, It's all very obvious. (laughs) I mean, we know what the, what the show was about in the first place sure. but the way they set it up um you need to show off these superheroes as good guys first so then you can corrupt them later uh, because sure, the very next yeah. scene is corrupting them in some in some form or fashion so you need to have some of that here uh you, you mentioned though like we knew kind of what the show was going in w- what is the show what is the show here what are we the, dealing with? So I think what the show is trying to be and what the comic, I haven't, none of us have read the comic that it's based on. Right. Um, the comic came out in 2006. It ran for something like six years, I think. I have it here. Yeah. It ran for about six years. Um, so presumably it was a relatively popular comic. Um, and uh, it's trying to sort of subvert the superhero genre and that uh, look at these superheroes, not as, these paragons of humanity, but as corrupt with power and um, uh, uncaring individuals who kind of look down at the rest of humanity as something that they can rule over and exploit. Um, And that, uh, I don't want to call it a trope, but that attempt, I guess, is kind of unsuccessful right away, I feel like, because they don't give the show nearly enough time to breathe and they also rely very heavily on uh stark blatant imagery uh so the scene that you're describing next huey is a he works at some like electronics store and he's got a crappy boss that he can't get a raise from his girlfriend gives him a pep talk and they walk out of the um the store afterwards and they're talking about their future together and then a super presumably coming back from a mission or, or mission or still on a mission. Uh, a train is his name runs so fast that he runs through his girlfriend, um, killing her and then thus giving Huey character development and motivation, which is funny because you're trying to subvert a, a subgenre, And that is a huge trope in comic book subgenre, uh, in, in the comic book, uh, field. Sure. Calling fridging. Revenge. Yeah, yeah. Revenge for a girl. Right. Yes. Fridging yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The disposable woman. And then, uh, but it's never like right there. That's maybe 10 minutes into the show. And 
it's done in such a way where it doesn't seem self-aware enough to be parody. It seems like they're just relying on the same tropes that they're trying to supposedly subvert. Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I very crassly summed this up uh, at the beginning of our notes, our shared notes here at the show that boldly asks, what if superheroes are bad, which <laughs> which I I think is fair. Uh, but it also it also leaves uh, a lot out in in that very short summation. I mean, this is this is a show, like you said, that is is trying to subvert what we know about superheroes. And, and I imagine in the even in the comic book, it's trying to subvert the the norm when it comes to the MCU or whatever the next Batman film is or, you know, a Snyder cut, whatever the hell is happening these days. And m maybe it's that we're watching this in 2022 and this thing originally came out, uh, you know, a, a few years ago in 2019. It just didn't play as well for me in in 2022 and I, I mean i thought about a lot of other superhero subversions and the the one that immediately comes to mind is is watchmen because right. that's I, I think that's probably the most successful of these hey did you know that superheroes maybe not maybe not so great maybe they have foibles just maybe like that. the rest of us yeah maybe, they, they could be they could be real dicks they could be trying to kill everybody <laughs> Superhero, um, uh, maybe not right in head. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not yeah. better than us. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, the the thing though is, I think Watchmen has a, a lot of things it's trying to say. Uh, I I think it's it's trying to say things in in the skin of a superhero story, whereas I think. The Boys is a superhero story that is trying to say things. And I think, I mean, those sound like they're similar, yeah, but no, no. it's a priorities thing. I, I, I totally agree with what you're trying to say. And one of the things you also put in your notes is that Watchmen is a thematically dense book. And we're strictly talking about the comic here. We're not talking about the Zack Snyder movie. We're not talking about this TV show. I, I think either. that I think that movie's pretty good. I like that movie too. Thank I, you. Yes, yeah. you and I are the I only ones in the good. world. I think it actually makes more sense than a lot of the stuff in the graphic novel, especially the making Doctor Manhattan Manhattan the uh, the big monster at the end instead of some random alien uh, octopus. Uh, but <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, when, during during the watching of the show, both Chase and I, I started reading Watchmen again, and I'm about a third of the way through. Um, uh, did you end up reading rereading the comic again? Uh, I read a few chapters, but I did I did rewatch the movie. This time I watched the the full. I, I watched the Snyder the cut Snyder of, <laughs> of Watchmen that adds in the uh, the the Black Freighter uh, motion comic stuff into into sure. the full story. I think which is fine. What what I've noticed, and I read Watchmen ten years ago, and I, yeah. I have notes I, in, that I've of everything I've read in the last fifteen years. So uh, I looked it up. <laughs> And it was uh, nerd 2013. Yeah. Like, I, like I don't have a very similar type of thing with all the media I consume. <laughs> the reason why I do this is because of you. You showed me to do this. Uh, That's right. Ago. Oh, God. You learned it from watching me. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm looking at now, especially, um, you know, reading it back then, the MCU wasn't as omnipresent as it is now. Um, but I feel like one, like I said, 
Watchmen has very thematically is a very th- thematically dense book that has mm-hmm. very um, pertinent questions to modern life. Uh, who are the people that we give power to? Um, what are the reasons that they want to be in those positions? Uh, do we have control over our own lives? Uh, like all sorts of very heady themes. And I think Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, when they made Watchmen, they obviously have a lot of reverence for the golden age of comics that like forties, thirties, again, we don't read comics that often. So sorry if this is wrong, it's, it's but, late thirties to fifties. I, yeah. I literally had to do something today for golden age of comics. And this is the only reason I know I would not okay, know okay, otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I think they have, um, even in the art style and in sort of how they, uh, cover Watchmen, Watchmen's about a group of like realistic superheroes. And I'm putting realistic in quotes, mm-hmm. uh, during that time period and how they're just kind of like people that just liked adventuring and they were good at fighting. And then Dr. Manhattan comes along. Who's an actual superhero. I mean, um, weren't they like, they were cops who, who started to dress up because the, the, the criminals Some of them, were dressing yes. up. So like we have to dress up to do the vigilanteism because the, the cops won't let us, face it, it yeah it doesn't some really matter yeah. and yes it's kind of weird that some of these people actually have superpowers and some of them don't really yeah uh but also somehow they are are relatively super strong i don't know it's, it yes. gets a little fuzzy in some of that it, it gets a little fuzzy uh but you know watchman is a is a book that obviously has a like it's referencing a lot of source material that not even you and i understand which is one of the reasons sure. why we can't do it but when i watch the boys it seems less like they have reverence for mcu and um and even like comics of the last hundred years and more like they're poking fun at it and there seems to be an element of almost punching down because they have taken a lot of easy targets capitalism is bad yes and big corporations can be bad sometimes and they haven't really done anything more with those themes beyond that. And and part of this is a little unfair, right? And that's it's kind of the nature of our show. We we read Watchmen. I could watch a whole three hour movie about Watchmen. And and that is a self-contained thing that we got through the boys. We watched one hour of what is <laughs> many hours of television. There could right. be more here. It could it's, evolve into absolutely. something. But it's the nature of our show. We're pilot program. We're only going to watch the first episodes of things. And unless we've watched it previously, we won't have the context of where the show goes after this. So we have to judge it on the merits of the first episode. And I think as a first episode, it's fine. It's it's I I don't want to use this Simpsons quote all the time, but I will use it here. It is a perfectly cromulent hour of television. <laughs> it's yeah. I I think there the show has some big positives and I'm a, I'm a very negative person in general so I do want to be a little positive here uh, to offset some of that I think this is a good looking show I think the it, it has a nice color grading uh, it's it's got nice effects for the most part I think some of it's a little gratuitous the A train running through uh, Huey's girlfriend is uh, I, I don't know I didn't need it. Uh, it, it felt like, hey, look at this thing we can do because we're on a streaming service and we have an MA rating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was not super to my taste. Um, but I, I think it I think it's got some really good performances. I think you and I both pointed out that we really like Aaron Moriarty as uh, as Annie or uh, 
what is it star it's not starfire starfire is in dc starlight thank you um that that we like her whole deal in fact i like her story the most i kind of i kind of was disappointed every time we went back to huey and it's like i i think it's more interesting to see the person who is being recruited into this super group and seeing how how different they are from the inside and the outside and and huey's doing some of that too I just don't think his his story feels as interesting to me. And it's it's probably because it's so tropey and fridgy that uh, that we talked about before. The, the show has some stuff in it that I think is that I think is good. And I think this plot for a pilot is fine. There's it has some some things it sets up early. Huey works in this electronic shop. He's talking to customers about, hey, this this HDMI cable uh, has better conductivity like he he knows his job he might hate his job but he knows his job he understands what he's doing and then that comes back around at the end of the episode where you've got this invisible guy who uh he's also seen on television he was seen seen this guy on television uh jimmy fallon specifically because they you got to get yep. that brand synergy in there uh where the the superhero himself, his name is Translucent, even though he goes invisible, which is not the definition of translucent. And, but they I point think they that out. They yeah, do they, point they that do. out. It's still lame, but it's it <laughs> if you make a lame joke and then say it was lame, I don't think that makes it better. But maybe that's just something you adapt from the comic book. And as a show, you have no uh, you have no uh, say in that. Anyway, he he talks about how the invisibility comes from the the conductivity in the air that you know whatever carbon blah 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 he's got allows him to go invisible so at the end where there's this big fight against translucent huey is able to use electricity in one of the cables in his store to shock and kill translucent and like okay i I see how you went from point a to point b to point c and and that's fine. And and I think we do get a, a pretty good idea of what these characters are like and that most of these characters are bad. And the whole episode, it seems like, yeah, all these other people are bad, but Star or not, uh, not Star, uh, Homelander uh, is is like the one they even say he's like Jesus to me. Like he's the incorruptible one. Yeah, these other people are assholes, but he's the good guy. And he acts like the good guy the entire time. And then at the very end of the show, he uh, he blows up a plane with the mayor of of Baltimore, I believe, because I, I, yeah, I so. they're they're doing a deal on the mayor of Baltimore getting one of the superheroes contracted to be a super in in their town and blackmails the, the head of the superhero group. And then Homelander uh, blows up his plane on the return flight that also has the, the mayor's kid in it. Um, so sure. Homelander, not a good guy, we learn at the end. And Ooh, that's, that's uh, kind of your big twist at the end. What a twist. Yeah, I, I know it's something they keep doing over the course of the show. There's a there's a pretty famous meme that I think is from season four where like Homelander finally publicly does something pretty terrible. But because the crowd is so... Trumpified. I mean, that's obviously the reference <laughs> they're going with. They're like, yeah. "Oh, we actually don't care that you're bad. It's yeah. great. You fuck those people." Um, and it ends up being like, "Oh, maybe I can just publicly be a piece of shit and no one cares." And that's is that saying something? Is that is that uh, yeah? <laughs> is I think that commentary? Are those themes? Are those themes, I, Pierce? 
I don't know. Like, you know, we talk about, we, we gave the broad uh, plot line, but there are t- a couple sub- subplots that I really do like. One sure. of which is Starlight, uh, which we talked about, Aaron Moriarty's character. She is someone who is uh, gifted with powers of, like, she's can, like, be bright i guess and like could basically be the color like the brightness of a star and can blind people but also it affects like physically affects people and also physically affects electronics mm-hmm. am i am i summarizing her powers correctly i guess so i mean that's okay. that's what she that's what she does in the thing i mean she also punches some brick walls so i guess she's she got some some, so, some strength in there as well yeah. but yeah so you meet her training in in des moines iowa and uh, she's trying to be selected by um the, the corporation, the big bad corporation, uh, who I've the already seven. forgot the name of. Yeah. But yeah. specifically like Vought uh, Industries and then become a part of the seven, which is sort of their bank, seven bankable stars. Right. Um, Look at our Justice League here. Yes. And, and also we're going to make money off of the sale of all their merchandise. Right. Yeah. right. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a throwaway line that there's something like 200 active superheroes in the United States, but the seven are kind of the cream of the crop. Um, and they are you're right that they they make a lot of money off of them through merchandising through um i assume appearances and then through like uh i think government contracts are probably a big part of it as well like Like government licensing of you get you get this guy for two years to patrol your city fuck fuck detroit we're taking him we're pulling him out of detroit he's got he has better poll numbers in baltimore let's put him in baltimore instead yeah very very crass business stuff of very crass business stuff but saving human life (laughs) They they introduce Starlight as this sort of um, folksy, naive Midwesterner, and we're both Midwesterners, and mm-hmm. I, there are certainly companies that I looked up to that I didn't know with what was going on within their walls that I wanted to be a part of. And so she, she starts with this plot line that is very relatable, and she goes through these interview processes that um, eventually lands her to the job, and she has these very ideal, idealistic thoughts about crime fighting and being a superhero and the company doesn't really care about those (laughs) like you can see that they like whatever you say to them they don't give a shit they just want to see how bankable you are right Um, like oh she plays well in the demos Uh, like she's she's midwestern she's blonde she's cute yeah she's she's gonna play well for us oh she's also a pretty decent superhero yeah whatever okay sure Sure, That's that's a nice bonus exactly and she eventually gets accepted she gets in and and she's in the the boardroom for the first day and translucent or not translucent uh the, oh, the deep the deep uh mr okay. mr aquaman basically right <laughs> that guy uh basically you know uh does the quid pro quo thing where he says that she is not really in the seven yet and she needs to give him a blowjob before he's she's actually in in the superhero mm-hmm. uh seven so that like Harvey Weinstein-esque um, abuse of power is rampant in corporate America. And there is something that should be said about that. And that is a, a very real problem in our, in our society. And it is done so blatantly in, in some ways, but in a way that is just so simplified. And it doesn't do justice, I don't think, to to victims of those sexual assaults and um, coercion, but it also doesn't have anything to say about like how something like that happens, how someone can fight against that, how like, 
This, I don't know. Like it, it I mean, just yeah, seems. I mean, there's there's some there's there's some in there where uh, you know Huey and Annie end up meeting like in the last third of the episode. They don't yeah. know who each other are at this point, but they're in the park. They're both feeling pretty unsure about what they're going to do next. Annie's just had this encounter with with the deep and she's feeling really bad about has really low self-esteem at this point. Does she even want to be a superhero if she's got to go through this shit and give this douchebag a, a blowjob? And Huey's over here going, you know, he wants to get revenge for his uh, or just let's say justice instead of revenge. He wants to get justice for his his uh, dead girlfriend at this point. But he's not sure if he has the will to to do what it takes. And they both meet up and they they very really vaguely talk about their issues to each other and they both end up encouraging the other to take action that that he he convinces her that hey you know who you are uh and he doesn't know who she is but she knows who she is and she knows she's a superhero and that this is what she's wanted her whole life and she loves the job this is this is what she wants and she's going to to prove to this guy that he can't just uh force her out uh, with with just a little bit of sexual harassment. That's that's not enough to, to get me out of here. And then she helps him to realize that he's got this inner confidence that he can go through with this as well. Uh, this this plan to break into seven tower and plant a bug that will incriminate all these superheroes and and the uh, Vought system itself. Uh, so there is some of that in there. It. <sighs> You're right. It, it just for me, it also rang a little hollow. And I don't know if that's because this is just the first episode and we'll get more things with that later or if this is just something that feels poorly done. I, another thing here that that I think is interesting for us to talk about for our show specifically, this is not a show that was shown weekly. This is. Like they they released all. What was it? Eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they released all eight episodes of season one in on a single day this is this is the era of bingeable television uh this is before you know disney plus came and said actually what if we did it weekly and you had to wait for your episodes of the mandalorian and then people went oh maybe we should do that go back to that instead we'll um, say this every single episode until we do the true detective episode but time is a flat circle what was <laughs> in vogue 15 sure. years ago is back yes yes let's let's just invoke lots of uh, lots of things like that. I'll keep saying perfectly cromulent. You'll keep saying time is a flat circle. <laughs> Everyone will get annoyed. It'll be great. Um, but this is, I wonder if a show like this, if a, if a pilot like this is more effective or less effective when you are showing it one at a time versus when you're showing it eight at a time. Because for a lot of people, when they start a show like this, if if the other shows are there, it, this is bingeable television. You're just going to start the next episode. So what does it matter if something has a cliffhanger? Because you're just going to kind of move into the next one anyway. The the questions that matter. you have, they'll be answered they, in the next one. I know, but it does matter because they they want to give you that cliffhanger or cliff. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Sh I just, like, sure. Forgot that word. But because they want you to keep pressing play. Like it's I, I think what's frustrating about what you're talking about is that if that is if the if these questions are going to be answered in later episodes there to me there there's almost an aspect of bloat in there and that mm. like why not like every episode should be your best episode 
and there are our shows that are, that are on our list that they <laughs> like the writer could die tomorrow and they're writing like it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like the idea of being like, we're going to set this stuff up, but we're not going to set it up very well because we know you're going to press play and it's going to get answered eventually. Just be patient. That, that's interesting though. Cause if I feel like if you're also forced to make every episode, your best episode, you're, that that's not writing. That's not that's not a story. Like stories need ups and downs. They need sure, short sure, points sure. and fast points. But, but if everything has to be your your hottest shit, you you burn out like that. Let me rephrase that. There okay. I, and now I can't remember the writer that said this, but um, I'll, maybe I'll look it up while you're talking. Uh, sure. There there was a writer that said every sentence needs to either advance plot or it needs to advance character, and there are there are aspects of this episode where they just repeat the same thing that they've already established. Mm. Um, that is super frustrating to watch. I also, you know, there's one other character who I really like in this, um, but she doesn't really appear that prominently until later. And the first two major women that we see on screen are someone who dies 10 minutes into the show and someone who is sexually assaulted in <laughs> right after that. And I just, like they're you if if these are characters that you truly care about for the long term that you want to see advance i think they deserve better openings and so maybe it's not maybe maybe it's more like there's no time like the present maybe it's not that every episode needs to be your best maybe i'm phrasing that wrong and it just well, i wonder like... i mean like you said we we didn't read the comic maybe there is more build up into any any starlight's uh story in in that but being this first episode when you make when you try to adapt something into a show you want to establish a lot of these characters faster i could see them going well let's take less time about how she got into the seven and let's just get right into the point where she's in the seven so we can tell that story so we can have that that sexual assault scene be in the first episode so we can have people talk about it i i could see that again i don't know maybe in the comic book it also happens right away but i I do feel like there was some missed opportunity with Annie talking about the struggle. There's there's some interview stuff where she talks about the struggle that happened before, but there's less of the struggle we see happening in the present. Like there you you get to see her training once and then you get the call that she she won the thing. I think there's there's some opportunity there with Annie though that her she even mentions it a little bit in the interview that they're like a little miss heroes pageant or whatever. And there are some pretty strong parallels to her, her mom and the way her mom, I think her mom is a supportive version of this, but like one of those pageant moms who is pushing their children into being a thing and the, the scars you can get from that. I think there's a, there's a story to be told there and we're not really getting that because we kind of need to gloss over that so we can get her into the seven and get the story, the plot moving. And I think you yeah. lose character based I on think, that. I think what you, I think, yeah, there's, there's an element of pageant mom to her. I think there's also uh, some very real feelings of I'm this person from a small town. I'm trying to make it in the big city and I don't want to disappoint my family. 
Totally. Um, yeah. Like, her, she like, gives her mom yeah. a call and is like, oh, this, this is the time I'm going to tell her I want to be out of this. And then her mom's like, oh, I told, you know, whoever down the street and right. their daughter, their daughter they got an A on a paper. And I said, well, my daughter's in the seven. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, yeah, I can't I can't disappoint my mom. I can't disappoint my hometown. I've got to I've got to keep uh, sticking my neck out on this one. Yeah. By the way, I, I looked it up. It was Kurt Vonnegut that apparently said this. OK, that, that sounds like Ooh. a thing you might say. Yeah, who who's also someone who like dabbles in genre fiction. Um, yeah. So it's not just like exclusively for this like high-minded literary fiction. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do want to talk about um, the like CEO or general manager of. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you you really like this character. Of, yeah, Madeline Stillwell, um, played by Elizabeth Shue. Um, she is fantastic. Uh, she's sort of this profit-minded um like uh get it done at all costs white collar uh business leader who negotiates with the the um the mayor of baltimore to get the contract going and is very aware of uh what you were saying earlier like polling numbers and um approval ratings essentially and uh just revenue coming in uh for this all of this to work and i think she's actually if there are villains in the show and if all the superheroes are the villains and the antagonists are the, or no, wait, let me rephrase that. If all the superheroes are the heroes and I'm putting this in quotes mm-hmm. that are being subverted and the, and the bad guys are really the good guys. Um, Madeline Stilwell is sort of this believable antagonist to me because she is someone who will do the mental gymnastics to believe that her pursuing profit profit at all costs benefits society at large because look we're we're fighting crime and also like we're employing a bunch of people yeah Um, and she has a responsibility to shareholders she's she's got to do she's stuck in the loop where she like this is the only way to succeed and success is good so being good means doing terrible things in the name of profit right and and she is very exciting to me as a character because i think there's the most room to grow in a way that I can't quite tell how it's going to be because I can see her having a conscience later on in the show and trying to walk back some of the things I can see her trying to rein in the the superheroes if it gets too far, but I can also see her being like, wait, no, I'm the real superhero here. You guys are just my employees and becoming as, as bad as she wants to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like, if, if I were to continue watching this show, it would be to see her development. Um, and uh yeah i don't know is there anyone else in the show that you found funny any any british actors that you thought were in interesting positions that were normally comedy actors (laughs) oh you want me to talk about simon Pegg? i was gonna say we we literally haven't talked about uh about carl urban's character once oh yeah uh, who who i feel is the main character he's got the main character yeah (laughs) i mean huey huey at least is set up in a way it's it's huey and it's uh annie kind of set up as these dual main characters, but Carl Urban's the one on the box. I mean, I know there's no box. Right. This is an Amazon prime show. I mean, I'm sure they made DVDs of it, but it, he's, he's the star here. He's the one you point to and go, that's the face of our, our thing. We haven't talked about his character once who I think is interesting. He's, you know, he's, uh, he lies to get what he wants. He introduces himself as an FBI agent. And then at the end of the show, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not an FBI agent. I, don't, <laughs> I made yeah. that one up. You got me. Um, 
And I feel like uh, another thing we haven't talked about who the fuck the boys are on the boys, uh, which I imagine is Carl Urban and whoever else is going to be in his band, uh, which probably now includes Huey. I'm sure there are characters we haven't even been introduced to yet who are part of this network of wanting to take down the the seven and superheroes in general and, and put them on an even playing field. Uh, but that's just not something we really get much of in this first episode because there's so many things we need to introduce and we just don't have time to to your to the point you made. We don't have time to breathe on any of it because we've got we've got to keep this movement. We've got to go. Yeah, the, the butcher is, uh, again, one of those um, characters that they just seem to want us to think briefly that he's bad because he lies and impersonates a police officer. And um, like the audience can see through that the entire time. <laughs> like we know mm-hmm. he's the the good one. Um, so that kind of feels like a little bit of a waste because when, when he is on screen, he is magnetic and clearly like you I said, mean, not literally mag- magnetic. He doesn't have superpowers. No. Yeah. We, we, that, we, we should, should, we should actually <laughs> we should make that clear. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> And, and and does seem like competent, but not competent in the way that like things aren't going to go wrong when he's in the driver's seat, uh, which I think is super exciting. Um, yeah, and going back to your boys' comment, I, I right the boys maybe this is, <laughs> this must be so frustrating to anyone who's actually a fan of the show to listen to us talk to talk about Probably. this. Probably, yeah, because we haven't even looked be, like I haven't looked at any of the plot synopsis uh, beyond no. this, like. Uh, I when I was trying to find the meme that I saw of Homelander that happens in season four, uh, I accidentally saw like a cast list and went, I don't recognize these people as part of the seven or no, no, no. It was uh, it was like it was a list that said like former members of the seven. And it had a bunch of characters that we've (laughs) met in this episode. And I go, whoa, what the fuck happened to these people that they're not in the seven anymore? What? (laughs) Something something happened. (laughs) They're on a farm upstate, dude. I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, like, there's another member, uh, Maeve. I, Maeve? Is that her real name or her superior name? Right. She's sort of the established, uh, another woman within the Seven who Yeah, but like she, Annie, she feels like, like the woman who's paid her dues and doesn't doesn't right. get shit anymore. She, she is the Wonder Woman of this group. Uh, in the very first scene, she uh, comes down and an armored car smashes into her and uh, just crumples around her because she's so strong. Uh, and she also kind of has the, the bustier... Uh, Wonder Woman look to her but she gives Annie some tough love advice of hey you know this is this is the way these guys are going to be and you can't show weakness to them um, yeah, apparently she does apparently she doesn't last as part of the seven well, okay. <laughs> sorry uh, this show is going to be filled with uh, this podcast is going to be filled with spoilers by the way um, yeah, yeah I think but spoilers for the first episode sure I think she is <laughs> Uh, well, you just po- spoiled uh, episodes later on. I didn't. Know I have no idea how it happens or what anyway, happens. She might be alive. Anyway, maybe uh, she joins the boys. She is <laughs> possible. Um, yeah, she does seem more interested in kind of holding up the status quo. You know, keep your mouth shut. Everyone gets paid. Just play, play, pay your dues, play the part, and everything's good. Queen Maeve, by the way, is her Queen is her Maeve, name. Yeah. Um, 
which you know could be an interesting that's another character that could go either way could have a conscience or not i think there's a lot of other uh a lot of the other superheroes that we've established including homelander um seem like you kind of know what's going to happen there like they're gonna be tough guys until the end and then either die or die i don't know like i, I there's just nothing i'm not really interested in seeing how they uh, continue you know you you are, are we are we about wrapping up do you think i think so i was looking at okay. our, how long this podcast is going on it's about 50 minutes so, so i want to i want to make a, a point that i think will then neatly dovetail into the next thing we'll talk about here but you had a, a question in your notes that is, why are they always in their costume during meetings with a show so focused on the business of superheroes? This doesn't seem likely. And I found that fascinating. And I commented on that. And I said, I wondered the same thing. They need to be more like wrestlers. You know, they're getting into costume <laughs> and assuming that kind of kayfabe while they're in public. Yeah. But then th they do it with their personalities where they ditch that artifice as soon as they're away from public eyes. But they're still in their costumes and it does feel really weird. I, I guess that's there to just establish, hey, these people are the heroes and we're not going <sighs> to. It's like I, a working uniform. Like I'm I'm clocking in. I, I'm going to wear I, this. I guess. So. I guess. But yeah, it does feel weird that they always need to be. They always feel the need to be in costume. I mean, you, you see Annie outside of costume when she goes into the park. And I'm, I'm sure these people I'm sure these people have some sort of. Uh, not necessarily secret identities, but a place where they just chill and don't uh, like they can be in public and not have to. Well, it, I don't know. <laughs> in, in the Watchmen, you know, whenever the there's two uh, crime fighting organizations over the course of 60 years or so. And mm -hmm. uh, in both instances, they wear their masks to protect themselves from the other superheroes as well to protect their identities. And that's not the case here. Like Homelander just has his fucking face open all the time. And, um, yeah, it, with Annie, Starlight as well. Like, everyone knows who that is. So it really does... Well, except Huey, apparently. <laughs> well, okay, so that was the other question I was going to ask. I don't know if I just looked at my phone during that scene, but when I looked up, they were on the bench together. Huey, yeah. who is trying to get revenge on Vaught, and Starlight, who is a very publicized new member of this organization. And, like, he, never, he didn't know who she was? Like, was it just a coincidental... Meeting on a yeah, on a park bed? That's so whack. That's, I know. I it's, hate see, that it, so much. Who eats a fucking like sandwich a <laughs> on a bench when someone else is sitting on the bench? It's a beautiful day in the park. That motherfucker would sit under a tree somewhere. He's not going <laughs> to sit next to someone on a fucking cell phone. That's uh, so corny. <laughs> yeah, that, that did feel like a plot hole there. Because like, do they have secret identities where, oh, we take off our masks or, or people uh, are our metaphorical masks of just the costume we wear? Um, that doesn't cover our face at all. But uh, do people just not know us outside of the costume or because uh, because you're right. Huey is not only is she been super publicized about uh, her joining the seven. Huey is constantly watching these people constantly. because he's trying to look for stuff to do uh, dirt that he can get on a train uh, about well, his girlfriend. His, and his dad, Simon Pegg, uh, also is like a, a fan of of the supers and watches them in their apartment together. So even if he wasn't watching TV constantly, he would be sort of inundated with this information just by nature yeah. of living with his dad. Yeah. That one not, not bothered great. me. There was one other uh, thing that bothered me that I put in here and it specifically relates to music. He pretty, uh, Huey pretty publicly talks about his love of Elton John. It's a mm -hmm. thing that they, 
talk about he talks about with his girlfriend before she uh, is murdered. And he there's he loves Simon and Garfunkel also. At one point, he lists the three bands, and I can't even remember the third one is, but yeah. um, basically trying to establish him as this soft boy. And then he walks around <laughs> wearing a Ramon shirt uh, underneath his like flannel. And then there was one other band that. Uh, it's like the Ramones uh, and some other punk band. Nirvana. Nirvana oh, and Nirvana. Yeah, it was, it's an in, in utero uh, Nirvana shirt, um, which is Nirvana's most abrasive record. And it just seemed like this massive oversight by the script supervisor. Or, like, is that a lie? <laughs> like, is, is Huey really uh, a villain or something? And his musical tastes are his, like, tell? <laughs> Does, I don't know. Is he is he lying about his soft boy uh, musical tastes, or is he lying about his his uh, his bona fides here? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Like it was like, why make such a big deal out of it and then put, dress him in that? You could have put him in. By, by the way, him. important note: it was it was Billy Joel, not Elton John, that he was. Billy uh, Joel, Billy Joel. Yeah, sorry, it's okay. very yeah. My Elton apologies John, to, to not Sir a soft Elton. boy. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Pierce, for going on that extra tangent, which means my transition uh, doesn't work anymore because we lost the thread of my transition. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's OK. Perfectly fine. Um, that's the boys. We uh, we didn't love it. We didn't I'm love sorry. It. I'm sorry to my friends out there who who really wanted me to to watch this. I guess we have to do We have to ask the question, Pierce. Uh, are you going to watch any more of this episode after we're done with the this show? You know, I during this episode, I feel like of I the show this. after they've done this episode. Sorry. Switch, yeah. Flip sure. it, reverse it, you know, do the thing. Uh, I was pretty I was a pretty hard no before we started recording this. I think I'm a light no now because I am, there are some characters in here that I would maybe I'll look at the Wikipedia and see what happens to them. Um, yeah, probably I, not. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to watch a second episode if only because I feel like if my friends do listen to, uh, to us talk about this first episode, they're going to go, Oh, second episode oh. opens up so much. So <laughs> I, I yeah. kind of want to head that off of the past. I'm like, I watched the second episode, still nothing, my guy. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I agree with you. I think there, I think there's some characters that I wouldn't mind seeing just a little bit more of and, and going, is, is this what I think this is, or is this going to turn into something, uh, that has, that has more of those themes that is closer to, a I'm not going to say it is a watchman, but closer to what a watchman is trying to pull off, um, because th this show is very popular. Uh, it's it's got a lot of acclaim and I I want to think that there's more to the show. But based on this first episode that we watched, I just didn't really see that and kind, kind of a bummer. But also, I just don't care about superhero shit. And even no. when you're trying to subvert superhero shit, I, I think I think I'm done with that. In the same way that if you tried to do uh, a zombie show that subverts the zombie genre, I'm gonna be like, dude, <laughs> I watched I watched enough zombie shows. I'm done. I played enough zombie video games. Please don't actually make a Left 4 Dead three. Uh, I love Left 4 Dead, but please don't do it. Please leave it <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> I, I will say, if this show gave me anything, it would was the desire to reread Watchmen, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm glad yeah. that's actually happening. Yeah, same here. Um, all right, let's talk about our next show, Pierce. We're going to be watching some wrestling, baby. <laughs> We're going to watch some wrestling. Yeah, so we, we did the comedy. We did the drama. 
and now we're going to do uh, both. Uh, yes, a somewhat live production sort of sports entertainment. Uh, we're watching the first episode of WWF Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I'm I'm excited when when we when we said we wanted to do pilot program and look at the first episodes of things. I I think it's easy to point to sitcoms and dramas and and go, yeah, OK, yeah, this is television. But yes. television is much more broad than that. And some of this stuff is going to be hard to find. Uh, I've, I have found the very first episode of Monday Night Raw. That's not a problem. Um, but I, I also want this show to be broad enough that we can talk about different, maybe like off the wall topics sometimes. And I don't think when you talk about the first episodes of television shows that somebody would immediately go, oh, yeah, you're probably going to watch the first episode of Monday Night Raw then. Um, and I like I like that we're subverting things. <laughs> well, this is this is the beauty of television as a medium in itself in that it can provide a lot of different things. And so to to the audience, right, you, yeah. you can, they can provide you with a barrel of laughs. They can make you think they can give you something that you can kind of space out toward. And I think that's one of the reasons why the boys is also being held by a different standard than Monday Night Raw will be like, we're not going to be looking for uh, commentary on late stage capitalism for Monday Night Raw. Um, Who knows? Like, it yeah. might surprise you. <laughs> Doink, Doink might... the Clown had a lot to say about <laughs> late stage capitalism. I don't understand that reference, but maybe I will. Soon. <laughs> I don't even know if Doink is in the first episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, but it'll, it'll be a good time. We'll, we'll have fun for sure. Um, what what else do we need to do here, Pierce? We need to do some plugs. We need to talk about things that we're on and things that we do uh, outside yep. of the show, Pierce. Anything uh, you want to mention? So uh, I'm picking one album per show to pr sort of promote if you have sure. the time to listen to it. Uh, my album for this episode is by a band called Black Star Kids, all one word, and it's called Cyber Kiss, with a little asterisk at the end. Um, Chase, do you know, uh, are you familiar with uh, Generation Z? Hmm. I know that I'm not it. Well, they came out and voted this, these midterm elections. Oh, yes. And, uh, right, yes. And people sure are talking about them. Um, the Red this Ripple. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this band is made up of three people. They, they kind of combined rap, um, uh, pop, uh, sort of nostalgia for like early 2000s pop also, which I think uh, I know someone likes early 2000s music. You. Um and they're from Kansas City. They're currently opening for the 1975 on their tour. And they are so infectious. They're so um, they combine sort of the best elements of all these different genres and have this very 2022 positive message where they talk a lot about mental health. Uh, they talk about, um, you know, critical race and just a lot of topics that are very relevant right now in, in a way that um, is sort of packaged for the Internet. Uh, that I find very compelling and also very um, believable. Uh, like what they're saying rings true to me. So definitely check them out. They're called Black Star Kids, and their album is called Cyber Kiss. Nice. Very cool. Uh, as for me, I've got a couple of irons in the fire here. One of them is uh, my YouTube channel, Chase K Plays. There is a new episode of my Let's Play of SteamWorld Heist called Cowbots and Aluminum. Episode 8 is now up. Uh, I also got the YouTube handle because oh, I'm a, you can do that uh, now. Yeah. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah. So I believe it is YouTube.com slash Chasey K plays and you can get to my channel. Um, see. So, yeah. Why, why don't you try it? Tell tell me if it works. <laughs> if it doesn't, just search Chasey K plays on YouTube and you'll find it. Chasey K play YouTube.com slash Chasey K plays. Uh, 
provides me with a 404. So yeah. maybe figure that out. Woo. All right. <laughs> Just search for Chase K plays, and then it'll be fine. Um, or go to and, my link tree. <laughs> and this guy seems to be talking about some coin I need to buy. Uh, oh, no. Really it up. <laughs> oh, no, that's not me. Um, <laughs> and then the other the other podcast I do is about video games. It's called The Casual Hour. Pierce has shown up uh, a couple times, right? I think twice, you, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you've definitely been in the chat for some of our shows. Uh, it's a show about video games, casually, uh, that I do with my friends uh, Bobby Pease and Johnny Amazich. We record every Wednesday live at 10.30 p.m. Central on twitch.tv slash thecasualhour. So come check us out. We also play other... We do streams on Mondays and Fridays uh, at 10.30 p.m. Central as well. And then we put up quick looks on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's lots of stuff going on with that. Um, Pierce, I'm excited to watch some wrestling with you. Uh, I can't excited wait to man. come back. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to hate it or you're going to really like it. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's what most exciting to me is you. You could just be at either end of the spectrum. <laughs> exactly. I really like the attitude era of uh, of WWF. Um, yeah, I don't so. I don't think we're quite there yet. Like it's, it's not there yet? Raw's, okay. Raw's getting there, but we have to get raw has to get bad before it can get good. Uh, in the Attitude Era, and it takes a while. So we'll see what this okay. first episode actually even gives us. I don't remember what happens. Great. Can't wait. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, until then, um, I hope you've enjoyed your flight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for flying with us, and we'll catch you next time on Pilot Program. Peace. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you.